for those of you that don't know me, my name is Eric Gill. I get to work here with the youth. Uh, I love working with the youth, and it's been an honor and a privilege for me to be doing that now for almost three years uh, in next March, so two years and a half, I should say. But before we continue with the service, I would like to take a time and pray for our president. We're told in First Timothy that we should be praying for those in our position of leadership. And so this is not a political statement or anything like that, but we do want to take the time and pray for him and his health. So join me as we pray. Lord, we pray for President Trump. Lord, we pray for his current uh, wrestling, as he's currently wrestling with COVID. We pray that you give him the health that he needs, Lord. But most importantly, Lord, we pray that you allow him to have an opportunity to get to know you as his personal Savior. And Lord, we pray that you will put the right people in his life, Lord, that will speak wisdom to him. Not, not just early wisdom, Lord, but your wisdom. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're starting this new series today on the book of Proverbs. If you have read the book of Proverbs, you would have, you probably told, were able to tell, that the book of Proverbs is different than any other book of the Bible. And what we mean by this is like, if you grab the book of John, for example, John chapter 5, if you read verse 1 and you read verse 2 and verse 3 and so on, you will see that there is a, a train of thought in each verse. Now, when you read the book of Proverbs, you'll see that in the book of Proverbs, there is not a train of thought. You have in one verse, the, 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 the guy in Proverbs telling you, hey, you need to discipline your, your son. And in the next verse, he's telling you, hey, you need to help the poor. So there is not that consistency in verse by verse where you can study like we would in a different book. For this reason, in the next following weeks, we're going to be studying the themes of the book of Proverbs. See, every verse in the book of Proverbs, you can put them, they fall into a theme or into a category. And so for the next following weeks, we're going to be studying those themes. Now, as you consider today, as you consider our current world, if we were to ask this question, I feel like we all will agree that something is missing. I mean, consider all the uh, division. Consider all the suffering. Consider how people keep doing, people keep making the same mistakes over and over. Consider how people are now, how the society as a culture, we're calling good what is evil and evil what is good. If we consider all of those things, we can all come to the conclusion that something is missing. So today we're going to be talking about this idea of the fear of the Lord. If you have been in church long enough, you probably heard about the fear of the Lord. And if I ask you to define it, you most likely will be able to define it. If you're new here and this is the first time that you heard about the fear of the Lord, maybe you're thinking about it like this famous, famous theologian called Michael Scott. When they asked him about fear or love, he said, I would like them to, do I, do I want my people to fear me or do I want them to love me? And he says, I want them both. I want them to fear how much I love them. And maybe you think that's the case when, it's the, when we're talking about God and the fear of the Lord. But what we're going to see today is that as a society, as a country, as a, as, a, as a nation, as a world, the one thing we're missing is the fear of the Lord. But what aspects of the fear of the Lord? So we're going to be seeing, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. Like I said, the book of Proverbs is not one that you can just follow verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. So for that reason, we're going to be jumping around from chapter to chapter. So to make it easier on you guys, these verses are going to keep coming on the screen. So you don't have to follow unless you want. But just know that we're going to be jumping from one verse to the, one chapter to the next chapter. But as we're talking about the fear of the Lord, the first thing I want us to see is that the fear, one of the things that we're missing about the fear of the Lord is that we're missing an understanding of what the fear of the Lord is. 
See, uh, Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It is the first step that we need to take in order to get deeper in our relationship with God. The first step is to know the fear of the Lord. Now, I think about three years ago, maybe four years ago, before I came to Maranatha, which I think is the reason why this happened to me when I came to Maranatha. But anyways, about three, four years ago, I realized, I noticed something about myself that I started to get afraid. I didn't like it. I didn't like where this was heading. I look at myself and I started seeing some subtle changes in me. And what I mean by this is that I was starting to notice that I was losing my hair. And I was not happy about it. I was afraid. And as I was looking at these changes, I just happened one night to be scrolling through Instagram. And I see this picture of Mr. Mike Duma. Now, if you didn't know this, Mike Duma and I went to school together for one year. Now, we were not best friends. We were not enemies. We were just there, right? Now, I just, and I'm giving you this as a background. We weren't that close, all right? We weren't that close. But as I'm looking at this picture, I realize that something in Mike Duman has changed. If you had an opportunity to meet Mike Duman before Hope, you'll know that he went through a phase where he thought he was Eminem, where he would play, uh, cone his hair forward and stuff. So it made his hair look very thin, like make it look thin. So then in this picture, this picture was, uh, how do you say it? Post Hope. Now he's, now he's married to Hope, so his hair is completely different. And I'm looking at the picture, and I say, whoa, babe, you got to look at this. Mike's hair is flourishing, like it's booming. Look at this. And I, say, and I made this statement, kid you not, I said, babe, he must be using a hair product. <laughs> and so I went, and I did what any reasonable man would have done in that position. I, texted, I messaged Mike Duma, and I asked him this question. So here's a picture of the text, actually. It got weird very quickly. Let's just say that. So I said, yo, I, I don't take this the wrong way. Like I said, we didn't know it that's close. But what do you use for your hair? I'm going bald, and I need help. You know, crying face. <laughs> now, this is where it gets weird. Mike goes and says, ha, 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 you're too funny. I don't use anything. So I read this, and I'm like, okay, well, I messed up. I'm assuming that he's using a hair product when he just got a new haircut or something. So I need to recover. So I said, well, ha, ha, ha then pray for me then, laughing face. And this is where it gets even more weird. He goes and says, send me a picture, you mug. I'm reading this and I'm thinking, Mike, who is this guy? Why is he asking me a picture of my face, of my head? Like, I don't know you like that. Maybe if you pay me $100, but I don't know you like that. And so I th I've been thinking about this, and this was something that we never really talk about it. I started working at Maranatha, and it was actually this year where we actually came to common ground. And for his sake, for his clarification, what he meant by this is that he wanted the picture to meet the same him, the picture that I saw of him, not a picture of me. But the jury's out, Mike, the jury's out. Anyways, for me, the fear of losing hair was a real thing. But you have also had the fear of, you have also have had to deal with fear. Maybe you have a fear of heights. Maybe you have a fear of uh, you know, drowning. Maybe you initially had a fear of COVID. If you're like me, maybe you have a fear of your wife going to Target. We have all experienced some sort of fear. Now, when we're thinking about the fear of the Lord, it is not in the term, in a negative term. We shouldn't be looking at it as in a negative term. In fact, here's one way that we can define it. the fear of the Lord is a correct understand, understanding and appropriate response to the character of God. The fear of God is not that you are so afraid of God that you run away from him because of what he could do to you. The fear of the Lord does not mean only that you have to show respect to God. It's more than that. 
If you look at Hebrew 12, verse 28 and 29, it says, Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. A correct understanding of the fear of the Lord tells you that God is worthy of our worship, but also he is worthy of our respect. That God is someone that we can come into to a place of worship and awe, but also understand that he is a consuming fire. And when you think about this word of consuming fire, you think about what it, what, he, what it meant in the Old Testament. When it says that God was a consuming fire and he dealt with his enemy like he was a consuming fire. And so a correct understanding of the character of God, a correct understanding of who God is, should lead us to come to this conclusion. That God is all-powerful and he is all-knowing. That God is loving, but yet he is just. That God loves you, that he cares for us, that he is gentle, that he does all these things for us, but yet God is still mighty and powerful with us, through, for us or in front of us. So when you consider these things, you should consider examples in the Bible where this takes place. You have in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter 6, it says that Isaiah had an opportunity to be in the presence of God. And when he was in the presence of God and he sought to see the glory of God, it says that Isaiah said this, Woe is me, for I am lost. In other words, I'm done. I'm not worthy of being in the glory and the presence of God. This is what I get to see. This is God. This is what I'm seeing of God. And you have to remember that Isaiah, if you look at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah had a clear picture of who God was. And yet, you see here that in the moment that he stood in the presence of God, he recognized that he was not worthy of being in it. And then you think about John in the book of Revelation chapter 1. He talks about that he had an opportunity as well to, be in, to ascend into heaven and to see the presence of God. And he says, when I saw him, I fell on my feet as if I was a dead man. You see, John, we're talking about John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, someone that God loved, you spent time that you, if we think of a disciple that was loving, that was gentle, that Jesus was caring a lot, it would be John. And yet you see here that in the moment that he sees in the presence of God, his his understanding of God is, is such that put him in a place of humility and reverence and surrendering because he understood that God is not only worthy of our praise and worship, but he's also worthy of our respect and reverence. So as if you consider society today, if you consider everything that has happened today, imagine what the world would look like if everyone had a correct understanding of who God is, what he stands for, and if everyone acted accordingly. It will, appear, it will look really different than now, right? The other thing that we're missing, the other aspect of the, of the fear of the Lord that we're missing is that we're, some of us are missing a commitment to the fear of the Lord. If you've been in church long enough, you can define the fear of the Lord. If, you, if you've been around, you know what the fear of the Lord means. Now, the problem is, is that we have the knowledge, but sometimes, some, many times we're just lacking the commitment. Uh, if you think on the context of the book of Proverbs, the, the idea of lords and masters was something that was very vivid. They, that was their, their, their everyday life. They, 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 they could recognize lords. They could recognize masters. They could recognize kings. And they understood that it was their responsibility to grant rewards as well as punishment for discipline. So as, a, as someone in this time, a healthy understanding or a healthy fear of their lords and masters kept them from making mistakes or, do, or doing the things that they knew their lords and masters didn't want them to do. Now, 
we all have had someone in our position of leadership. Maybe it has been your boss, your, your parents, or someone. So we know what it's like to have someone that has the availability, yeah, that word, to be able to dictate to us what is right, what, what, what it's going to happen for us or not. We all, we all have had been in that position, right? Now, for me, I dealt with that here in Marinatha about three, four years ago. I shouldn't say that. Two years ago, uh, we were doing the missions, we were doing the budget for the student ministry. Back then, I was a middle school pastor. Mike Duma was a high school pastor. So we were working together and we went to, to Pastor Bush to submit our budget so that he could approve it. We, we, Mike and I got together. We think this is the perfect budget. We, we go to Pastor Bush, submit it, and right there he's like, nope, that's not it. You have to go back and change this and that. So then Mike and I go back to our office. We change things. We go over and blah, blah, blah. And then we think, okay, this one is. So we go to Pastor Bush. Nope, this is not it. So the third time we were like, you know, we got this. There's no way that Bush will say this is not okay. We have cut everything down. We're not even doing, we're not even throwing anything crazy. This is, this is it. We go to him. No, shut it down. So finally we came to a point where we we're like, okay, we think we got it, but let's just get back a Bush. That was my thought at least. Let's get back a Bush for all of this. So we throw in there an event. An event that was so ridiculous that, I mean, it was just ridiculous just to see what he would do when he saw that in the budget. So the event was a couple thousand dollars. It was going to be a lot of things. And, and, and just disclaimer, we're not going to actually try to do this. But, you know, just a disclaimer. But anyways, maybe next year. But anyways, in this, in this event, the idea was to uh, get catering fruit from uh, Mission Barbecue, get a bunch of inflatables to throw it for the middle school, high school. And then the main event, the main event was going to be a midget wrestling fight. That was going to be the event for the night. So we thought this was going to be a, a hit. We were thinking, Bush, is not, he's going to think that we're for real and all this stuff. So then we submitted that. Well, we find out soon enough that we shouldn't have messed with Bush. Now, he pulled Mike and I to his office, and he ate us up. He just, you know, don't mess with him, with, with him and all that, right? But then when he found out that I was the one who came up with the idea... It was even worse. Like, he was out for me. That same year, it just happened that I was going to go to the DR with uh, two other couples. And I was, then the DR, I mean, Dominican Republic. And I was going to lead them there. I was going to show them around. We already had the approval of him. And I showed them. Uh, we already bought the plane tickets and all this stuff. And then we, I go to Bush's office and I say, hey, Pastor Bush, just a reminder, we're going to be going for this time this year. And just so you know, tickets are bought and everything, we're ready to go. And as I'm walking away of his office, he said, but Eric, sorry, but you cannot leave to that week. Another pastor requested that week, so you have to stay. And I could feel my heart just dropping. I was like, I'm in trouble. Like, what am I going to do now? And in that moment, not only I didn't understand the fear of the Lord, but I understood the fear of Butch. I understood that day not to mess with Pastor Butch. And so you see that we all have experienced the fear of the Lord. Now, the challenge is with us is that for me, when I come to the office, I see Bush walking around. And he's a constant reminder to me not to mess with him. But when it comes to God, yeah, when it comes to God, we don't see him as present. We, we sometimes see God to be distant. And we don't see him walking around in front of us where he's a tangible thing, right? And so because of that, because we think that God is distant, because we don't see him granting rewards or discipline or punishment to people, we're, we're in a position where we're tempted to, to think that our commitment to the fear of the Lord is not needed. And so when you have Proverbs like this, Proverbs 
Proverbs 8, 13, it says, The fear of the Lord is a hatred of evil, pride, arrogance, and the way of evil and perverse speech I hate. When you see Proverbs like this that says, like, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil, and because we don't see God and we don't think that he's present, we're prone to, to allow evil in our life. We're prone to allow things that God does hate, that God hates, to be present in our life. And soon enough, we have pride, arrogance, and perverse speech in our, in our life. Or you think of Proverbs 3, 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. We start to think that God doesn't know enough. Because he's not present, because he's not around, you know, does God really know what we should do or not? And so he says here to run away from evil. But hey, God, I got a different one. Let me throw you a curveball. I am going to get as close as I can to doing evil, but not actually doing the evil. And in doing so, we put ourselves in a position of danger. Or you have Proverbs 15, 16. The fear is little, better, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. When we, because we don't see that God is present, because we, we struggle with the idea of, of, you know, we don't see God granting uh, words, we don't see God granting punishment or discipline. So we get in this position where our main concern can be to be uh, a financial stability. We're always striving for all we want is financial stability. Or you consider Proverbs 23, 17. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. All the day. You start to see how people that do evil things get away with it. And how God doesn't deal with them in any ways. And maybe you start thinking, oh, well, if they can get away with it, so can I. And in doing so, we start to lack in our fear of the Lord. I mean, think about it. When you think about the fear of the Lord. When was the last time that you woke up and you were like, hmm, today I am going to fear the Lord? It's probably been a minute. It's probably been a while. When, 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 when we understand the character of God, when we understand God, when we understand who he is, what he stands for, and what he does, it should encourage us not only to keep this knowledge, but to actually to act on it. That is the fear of the Lord. Now, granted, sometimes it's hard to be committed to the fear of the Lord because a lot of times we don't appreciate what comes with the fear of the Lord. See, maybe you have forgotten. Maybe you don't recognize it. Maybe you don't even know that it is for our best interest to fear the Lord. I couldn't tell you how many times as a teenager I wanted to make stupid decisions. I wanted to do something wrong. I wanted to just get away, go away, get away with my way, if I should say that way. Yeah, way. Anyways, if I wanted to get away with it. And because I, had, I understood who my parents were, and because of I knew who my, what my mom would do if she found out what I did, you know, I wouldn't do anything. I would just stay away from it. If you haven't had a chance to meet Mama Gill, you know, she is, she's something. She, don't let her smile, her, her, you know, charisma, not let any of that fool you. Mama Gill is a savage. Now, knowing this about my mom, I will stay away from doing anything that I knew that wouldn't, she wouldn't approve of it. And as a result, it helped me, it prevented me from making mistakes that long later I will be, that today I could have been regretting. And that is what the fear of the Lord does to us. It protects us. It says here in, in Proverbs in Proverbs 14, it says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a foundation of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. 
knowing what God stands for, knowing what God hates, knowing the character of God would allow us to do what to do the things that we're not supposed to do. And in addition to that, it will protect us. And in it, it will allow us to live a life that is honorable to God. All of this because of the fear of the Lord. But there is another aspect of the fear of the Lord that we need to be thankful about. And it's the aspect that reminds us of how God dealt with us when he sent his son on the cross. If you see Psalms 130, it says in verse 3, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, how, how could, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Let me read that again. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But you, with, with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. See, if God dealt with us the way that he was supposed to deal with us, none of us could have taken a chance. But how awesome, how amazing it is that God didn't deal with us in that way. That God dealt with us in such a way that he offered his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and me, for our mistakes, for our sins, so that through his son, Jesus, you and I can experience eternal life. And knowing this about the sacrifice of God, knowing that God is loving and gentle, and knowing yet that he is mighty and powerful, and that he could have dealt with us like a consuming fire, to remind us and should encourage us to be appreciative of the fear of the Lord. Now, we ask the question, when you think about the fear of the Lord, what do you think? What, what, what do you think about this world? How would this world look like if we had the fear of the Lord? What would this world look like if people understood the character of God and they acted appropriately? What would this world be if people were committed to the fear of the Lord? What would this world be if we were appreciative of the fear of the Lord. But let's make this personal. What about you? What is missing today? What aspect of the fear of the Lord is missing in your life today? Do you understand and have, a, and have an appropriate response of the character of God? Do you understand the fear of the Lord? Are you committed to the fear of the Lord? Are you appreciative of the things that come out of the fear of the Lord? Consider your marriage. Maybe you guys have had a, a rough couple weeks. You've been arguing there and then. What is your marriage missing? Or aspect of the fear of the Lord? Maybe your, your kids. They keep making the same mistakes over and over. They live, after, they live as if there is not a God that can grant rewards, judgment, and discipline. What aspect is missing in their life? What about you and your relationship with God? Maybe the main reason why you don't have a fear of the Lord is because you don't know God. And that is the one thing that you're the first, very first thing you have to do. This idea of the, fear, of the fear of the Lord is crucial for us. Like we read, Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the knowledge. We cannot get deeper in our relationship with God. We cannot grow in our relationship with God. We cannot live in a way that is honorable to God unless we live in, a, in the light of, being, of, of the light of the fear of the Lord. So I hope that as you go from here, that you will be challenged by this. 
that you will recognize the importance of the fear of the Lord. That you will not walk away and think the fear of the Lord is something that we only hear in church. But instead it's something that we should live by every day of our life. That the fear of the Lord should be present in your life, in my life, in everyone's life. Because only then, only then we can live in a way that is honorable and, and honoring to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity that we got to be able to come to church and be able to hear your word, Lord. Father, I pray that you will challenge us into living in a way that is honorable to you, Lord, that we will live in a way under the fear of you, Lord, that we will not be afraid in the sense that we will run away from you, Lord, but that we understand who you are, that we understand what you're capable of doing, Lord, and yet that you love us and that you're worthy of our praise and our worship, Lord. I pray, Father, that you allow us to live in light of that, Lord, and that we will fear you, Lord, every day of our life. We pray this in your name. Amen.